Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Tukey Steak Podcast. We are back again. It is December 1st of 2022. Holy hell. How did that happen? I have no idea. Today on the show, we are, of course, joined, as always, by the two guys who I'm not, you know, there's nobody else I'd rather have alongside me here as we talk about all of the ups and downs of the hockey world. And let's be honest, that's that's just the extra. That's the after show. As we'll have some interesting conversations today, I am sure. But first and foremost, I know Endo Mills is tired. He looks goddamn exhausted. So I'll ask Sin how he's doing instead. Sin, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Not very... I slept a lot last night. <laughs> so I'm... I was tired because I slept so much. You know that feeling when you like sleep almost too much and you still wake up tired? Yeah, that was kind of how it was this morning. But uh, yeah, other than that, I'm doing good. Fair enough. Endo, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I uh, had a long day, long walks. I had a friend come to town, so we just went around and did some sightseeing in the city. A lot of walking. Better pizza. Better Papa John's. Fair enough. So as mentioned today, we'll have uh, a bunch of random things to talk about including our look at the updated awards predictions because it's already the first of a new month which is very just it's messing with my head man the fact that it's like oh yeah here we are it's december of 2022 craziness i mean for sin and i too it's like oh cool the end of the new year but also you know we start up more commentary stuff with sportsgamer.gg a lot of commentary stuff holy Holy hell, the European side, the North American side this time out. You guys are going to hear a lot from us in the esports, NHL esports casting world over the next couple of months. So it's going to be a busy time, and I bring that up because the Monday-Thursday schedule might be slightly adjusted based off of our uh, you know, our, our requirements on, on that side of things. So stay tuned for that, plus it's the holiday season i mean jesus i'm sure we're all going to be quite busy but hey there will be shows when there will be shows when there will be shows but before getting into actually you know the the meat and potatoes of this show as always we need to mention that this podcast is brought to you by our lovely friends at manscape that is manscape.com where you can use code tugi t-o-u-g-i-e for 20 percent off your order and free shipping the perfect opportunity is here and now The holiday season is just about here. Struggling. What do I get for a gift? Give the gifts of of shaving, of of proper landscaping with Manscaped. Hooray. Give the gift of shaved nuts with Manscaped. I mean, I'm sure there are worse gifts to receive. Make sure your balls can jingle this Christmas season. By using Manscaped. Promo code Tugi. Maybe not our best ad read ever, but cylindrical deodorant. There you go. For those playing the Tukey Steak Podcast bingo game at home. Deck the balls. Deck the balls at (laughs) Manscaped.com. I am sure they have run that as a promotion before. They need to. I want royalty. If not, hire this man. Please. I'm unemployed. Just make sure. Just make sure he's tired and eating mac and cheese. It'll be fine. Again, manscaped.com, code 2 get 20% off 
free shipping. You guys know the deal. And of course, we thank Manscaped yet again, as always, for sponsoring the show. Let's get into some viewer questions. Again, as always, the link in the description, whether you are listening or watching this podcast on YouTube, of course, and the Tukas Tech Podcast channel. You can go to the Discord, go to the viewer questions section, and ask a question like these fine people did. We'll start off with AJ because it's the least on hockey top, you know, off topic, non hockey question that there is for this show. Since the new Transformer trailer dropped, Who's the best Transformer and why is it Unicron? So I'm going to reframe this. Are are any of us into Transformers? No. I didn't even know a new trailer dropped. Yeah, me, me either. <laughs> me either. Were you ever into like the old cartoon? Nope. Have you, you know. I watched the first Transformers movie. That's the only one I saw. Oh, with Michael Bay? I think so, yeah. I just, yeah. I, I love Shia, so. Fair enough. Yeah, it's probably the first one where they have what I've done as like the outro song. I don't remember oh, that. God. Yeah. As, that's probably the first yeah, I think that's the first one. And like Star Screams going in the fucking space to go get the other Decepticons or whatever the fuck it is. I can't remember, man. I've never been a huge Transformers fan, although much like Sin, big fan of, of Shia LaBeouf, Swedish Chef's favorite Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. I love that so much. Uh, apparently, it's Transformers: Rise of the Beasts, starring well, Ron Perlman's in it, voice voicing Optimus Primal, and uh, Pete Davidson's in it. Of course, he is. Pete Davidson World Tour 2022. He's bagging everyone's girl. I, I can't believe he found time to step away from hooking up with every person even remotely attached to hollywood that's attractive to actually act can we yeah. I just acting must be a sweet side gig compared to his main <laughs> his main set of conquests for fuck's sake jesus christ nothing will top pete davidson sending a a dm to kanye west saying i'm in bed with your wife <laughs> what a fucking g <laughs> i am in bed with your wife <laughs> It's a picture of him smiling. <laughs> oh, man. It's Ooh. that, you know, there's nothing. Maybe not nothing, but there's not much more entertaining than watching the Internet. Just wonder how Pete Davidson is where he is. Probably use his Manscaped. Use promo code Tuggy for 10% off your robot shipping. There just, you go. Just there be you funny. Yeah, yeah be, be funny. Dude, dude, girls love funny guys. Come on, look at me. I got nothing going for me, but I'm funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, I can, so I can eat mac and cheese on a hockey podcast. Exactly. Ex fucking exactly. On a hockey podcast. <laughs> An alleged oh, hockey podcast, in fairness. We always need to... Uh... Quotations. Oh, God, yeah. Always. So, yeah, never a big... Not a big Transformers crowd, as it turns out. From Young Burrito, if EA added eras to NHL and Madden, what would you want them to be? So for those who don't get the basis of this question, this year, NBA 2K23 expanded their franchise mode in really the coolest way that a console-based sports game has ever had a franchise mode expanded. Obviously, on the PC side of things, you have 
franchise hockey manager, football manager, out-of-the-park baseball that are super, super in-depth simulation-based games. But NBA took it a step forward, uh, you know, a step further for consoles by adding distinctive eras that you could start in with mostly accurate, you know, there are some players they don't have the licenses for, but mostly accurate uh, information for the time and players and rosters for the time. So the first era you can start in in the NBA is in 1983, if I'm not mistaken, uh, dubbed the Larry Bird versus Magic Johnson era. And as you start, of course, like I said, the teams, the logos, uh, the jerseys, everything's accurate for the time. It has its own exclusive broadcast presentation for when you actually play the games. It's amazing. Um, And then as you progress through the years, you are able to follow along with the changes as they actually happened, or you can veto them. So, for example, uh, if you start in the 90s, the Jordan era, I believe in 91 was the starting year for that. Of course, everything's accurate. That has its own presentation. And the Vancouver Grizzlies, say it gets to the point where it's like, oh, uh, early 2000s, they're moving to Memphis. No, you could keep the Vancouver Grizzlies in Vancouver, which is awesome. Um, Obviously, you could see the tie-ins from an NHL perspective in terms of keeping like the Nordiques in QC, the Atlanta Thrashers where they are, stuff like that. Um, So this was amazing for the NBA side of things. Um, Madden wise, a bit of, a bit of a more difficult one to answer. I would say, uh, me personally, I'd throw it back kind of to a similar thing with the, uh, you know, with the NBA where you go eighties, nineties and early two thousands. Um, you know, especially the nineties could be built around like the Cowboys kind of dominance and trying to stop them. Very similar to Jordan, and the bulls. And then honestly, the, the two thousands era, you could go like 2001 the beginning of uh, Peyton versus Brady. You could go 2004 and essentially replicate Michael Vick being the most fucking electric football player on the planet and kind of replicate the fact that he was as overpowered as he was in 2004. And then basically uh, what if he didn't massively fuck up type yeah. of scenario, the eighties, I mean, shit, if you could get the license and they Madden has the license for ultimate team right now, Bo Jackson, And basically have the 80s be built around what if Bo Jackson didn't get hurt and didn't play baseball and just stayed in the football world and have the Raiders be fucking impossible to beat. That would be that would be my suggestions for that. Sin, I know you're more of a football fan. I don't know if you have different opinions on the football front, but we could get to the hockey front. Yeah, it's fine. I'd just, you know, have the Packers be able to beat John Elway. That was very sad for me as a kid being the only Packers fan in my (laughs) in my Mm -hmm. town. (laughs) <laughs> Getting trashed the next day in elementary school. Oh, goodness. Goodness, goodness. So, NHL. There's a lot of possibilities for arrows with this one. Obviously, you could go as far back. I mean, the licensing might be very tough, but in an ideal world, would it be cool to start off way back with the kind of end stages of the original six? You know, in the 50s? Yeah, it would be. It'd be great to be able to start right as the league is about to expand, that initial expansion in 67 would be awesome. The 80s, obviously, I think you label the 80s as the Gretzky era, mm-hmm. easily enough. The 90s could certainly be uh, defined in a lot of different ways. You know, especially with, I mean, literally, you can call it the dead puck era because that's what it was. 
And then you could go probably post 05 lockout for that third era if we're copying the NBA formula of three different eras. You know, if you were to just do 80s, 90s, 2000s, because they're the most likely to be done, I think, based off of licensing issues. In the 2000s, it's built in post 05 lockout Crosby versus Ovechkin. Yeah. So Gretzky era, dead puck era, Crosby versus Ovechkin. And honestly, that would be incredible to be able to do that on an NHL franchise mode. So we'll see in 2040 when they finally uh, get the chance. Who knows? Maybe the the big guys up top will actually allow that dev team some time to actually flourish a little bit. But nope. (laughs) They gave them, you know, you know, we look at this retrospect. They gave them an extra month, an extra month. And then we got NHL 21. I don't think they're going to have any extra time to put anything out like the NBA live team because uh, they stopped making an, an NBA 19. Like apparently NBA live 20 was supposed to release, but then they got shifted to work all in the mobile game instead, which is crazy. Like that mobile game is fun and it's really rich and has a lot of ideas in terms of like an ultimate team standpoint. That It's like great. Like you keep your cards and then like you can't use them for certain events, but they have events that open up eventually you can use your old cards for. Like that's a, that's a great concept that I don't think anyone's even looked at. But yeah, you know, this becomes a NHL 22, uh, NHL 23 rant again. So, you know, I'm going to stop myself. But yeah, Gretzky era, um, Bobby Orr uh, era. Uh, I want to say like 95, 97, like right when everything kind of like stopped off. And I'd like to see like a 2000 and. A twenty like a twenty ten era, right when Stamkos got drafted. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I again, there's, there's a lot of different possibilities for the kind of particular eras. Um, the question I have though is, what would be the most appealing one to you specifically from the hockey standpoint? Sin already kind of mentioned like for the for the Madden idea, like the late nineties, the idea of the Packers not losing to the Broncos, but like. So basically, what specific era would you like to play and what specific event comes to mind is like, yeah, that's the one that I would change. Mm. Because 1967 for the Leafs. What, to make it so that they don't win that? Yeah. (laughs) Add one more year to the drought. Yeah. What's what's one extra year going to do in terms of harm, you know? I don't know. I would start in 67, make sure they win the next two, and then 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 have the drought, because at least it's funny. Mm. There you go. Uh-huh, 69. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> um, I mean, as a Bruins fan, it would... It would probably be 90s. Probably be the 90s to be able to... Uh, not have Ray Bork have to go somewhere else to win a goddamn cup. You know, as much as like, hey, 2013 comes to mind and stuff like that. I think that'd be the 90s. Yeah, I would. I would want to. I'd want to redo the 2010s. <laughs> oh, I wonder why. <laughs> <sighs> Anything come to mind specifically, Sin, about the uh, 2010s? Yeah, just whenever the hell Thornton got moved to the Sharks, just be able to. Goddamn, how the hell did they never win? good old jumbo at least you know like he's he is likely somewhere in switzerland right now no he's been and he's been going to a lot of sharks games has he mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. 
<laughs> well, you know, when we trade uh, a skater, he's got to come play. No, just kidding. He's probably going to get some kind of front office job. I don't know yet. Like, he's been going to a lot of games. So, like, I don't know what that means. Maybe he eventually gets a front office job. But, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I assumed he was going to go be playing in Switzerland a lot because that's where his wife's from. His kids speak the language. Like, yeah. All 17 languages that people in Switzerland know by the time they're 10. <laughs> Fuck. Um, yeah, who knows? Maybe Joe Thornton will get added to the uh, Sharks Ring of Honor, just like the Canucks are doing for Roberto Luongo. Who needs to have a number retired when you can be in our Ring of Honor? That was that was lovely. Fucking That's what you get for leaving, Lou. Jesus. Can the Canucks do anything right this season? No. You know what? Errors wise, I'd go back to 2011 just to beat the Canucks again. <laughs> Fuck. My God. I mean, really? As long as I have a riot mode, and you can. I want to. I was gonna say, I want a special cutscene where there's just a riot outside the EA offices in Vancouver. I want a special button where I can be Tim Thomas and just punch Daniel Sedin in the head. Damn it! Hockey Hall of Famer Daniel Sedin. There we go. Sorry, I had to clarify. Um, yeah. God, the Canucks. I had. I had to. I remembered. I. I forgot to put that on the the run sheet for today's episode. And uh, yeah, the whole concept of them just getting clowned on because like yeah we're gonna honor roberto luongo and everyone's like by raising his number one to the rafters (laughs) no we're also not gonna do anything about our team being frankly dreadful i think my favorite part about that is that they took down the initial tweet and then they put it back up and, every, and I think uh, I think it was X Tech said I can't. I think it was either X Tech or it was Jay Fresh was like I can't believe they ratioed the the Vancouver Canucks to putting Luongo on the Ring of Honor. <laughs> yeah, so like the the first tweet was like, oh, we're gonna add him to the Ring of Honor, and then they took the tweet down, and the next one's like, oh, we're gonna add him to the Ring of Honor next season. <laughs> so they're not even doing it this year. Mm-hmm. But in fairness, I wouldn't want to share the spotlight with Chris Neal getting his number retired by the Ottawa Senators. Chris Neal is getting his number retired, but Roberto Luongo's in a ring of honor. Anyway, the Canucks, you're fucking terrible. Uh, from RG Dust, I mean, this is the easiest question in the world, but screw it, I figured we'd add it. Choose a player currently playing to start your franchise uh, with, but whoever you choose, you have to take on a shit contract. There isn't a. I'll take Mark Edward Vlasic if it means I get Connor McDavid. Like that's the answer. Oh, I see. I thought you meant you had to take that player on a shit contract. Yeah, like basically a max contract for like Connor McDavid or something like that. Yeah, that's still worth it. Choose yeah. a player currently playing to start your franchise with, but whoever you choose, you have to take on a shit contract. Yeah. yeah so I view that you're basically saying front load your contract with that one player. That's the wording that I'm saying from this. And I think I'm, I'm correct. I mean, so the answer, no matter what, is Connor McDavid. Yeah. Yes. Like, whether Connor or not McDavid. it's he's on, like, a max contract, he's worth it. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. if it's you have to take on Connor McDavid, but then pay uh, Nikita Zaitsev or Mark Edward Vlasic's contract or something like that. Sure. Give me Connor McDavid. I'll yeah. take Zaitsev and Mark Edward Vlasic if it means the Bruins have Connor McDavid. Yeah. yeah, or if I'm an expansion team and I got to start with Connor McDavid, I mean, granted that might push you into Los Angeles Angels territory, where you have Trout and Otani and nobody else. But 
I'd be willing to do it. Call yeah, me Arden Moreno. Yeah, I'll take oh. McDavid and Carlson. Oh, is, our people aren't saying it's as shit of a contract. It's that that'd be sick to see them play. Just Carlson fires one pass up to McDavid and he's gone. <laughs> Eric Carlson to the Edmonton Oilers. I'd be totally Who's, cool. Actually, no, they'd be in our fucking division. <laughs> who says no? Honestly, I'm looking. I would take it. Um, get get a bunch of their picks because you know they're gonna fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> they have the they're Oilers fumble the bag, dude. Have no cap space at all. Um, that that would be one hell of a, a finagled trade to try to try to pull that off. But you know what? Make it happen. I want to see Eric Carlson as an Oiler playing alongside Tyson Berry, the no defense crew. Oh my God. Darnell Nurse, Tyson Berry, Eric Carlson, the holy trinity of not playing defense as a defenseman. I'm here for it. (laughs) I want this to happen. I'm here for it. Uh, Final question comes from Hawks. Might be a late addition, but out of the teams that are currently in the bottom five in terms of overall wins and losses, who do you see bouncing back and why? So the bottom five right now in the NHL, Anaheim, they're fucked. Mm Mm-hmm. At this point, get a high draft pick. It just didn't happen for you this year. Uh, Yeah, not going to happen. Chicago, by design, terrible. They're not turning it around. Uh, Get a new owner, please. Your owner's a scumbag. Columbus, injured to shit. They're not turning it around. San Jose, bad by design. They're not turning it around. And then there's Ottawa. Yeah, Ottawa is the only one in here that could and should bounce back. And I don't even know if they will at this point. Um, you know, the news of the day for the Ottawa Senators is that uh, the deadline's passed. It's December 1st, so RFA is if they didn't sign, they're out for the year. Uh, and they did not sign Alex Formanton due to what everyone presumes, of course, is the the pending Hockey Canada investigation and what part he might have taken in that uh, World Junior Team incident four or five years ago. Um and obviously, you know, if we're only talking about that person from what they bring, you know, on the ice, that's someone that this team is likely missing. It certainly hurts their depth. And in a general sense this year, uh, they have been wonderful at finding ways to lose when they shouldn't. Because you look at this roster, they are getting good point production from a lot of the bigger guys. You might want a little bit more from someone like Debrinka to a 17 points in 22 games. They're getting solid goaltending. Um, but of course, Josh Norris got hurt after five games that hurts too. So Ottawa is the only team theoretically that you could see turning it around. And I don't see them doing it. I don't think any of these teams in the bottom five will be anywhere near the playoffs. by the end of the season. They need Eric Carlson. I agree. I will not let that go either. Eric Carlson back to Ottawa for to make first. it happen. <laughs> make it happen. Sens just called up Nikita Zaitsev today too. Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah, we'll, we'll take that Zaitsev contract. Conditioning stint, love it. Two of their firsts. <laughs> All of the first round picks, please. So we'll talk more about Eric Carlson in a minute. Do want to say again, thank you as always for those particular questions. And we'll talk about Eric Carlson because with it being the first of a new month, let's talk about our updated awards predictions. For the 2022-2023 season. 
Let's start off with the Hart Trophy, gentlemen. MVP, the top three players. Now, typically scoring is the way it goes, right? Top three players in terms of scoring right now. Connor McDavid on 41 points. Jason Robertson on 36. Leon Dreisaitl on 36. There are other honorable mentions. Uh, you guys obviously have their stat lines there. But Kucherov, Pasternak, maybe even Eric Carlson. Uh, Sidney Crosby, Tage Thompson, who's unbelievable. Uh, and Mitch Marner. Uh, it's worth noting that Marner Robertson uh, were both named one of the three stars of the month, along with New Jersey's Vitek Vanacek. And, of course, Marner tied the longest point streak in Leafs franchise history with 18, tied with Daryl Sittler and Eddie Olchek, of all people. Hmm. Shout out to Eddie O. It's still Connor McDavid until it's not Connor McDavid. Yes. You can be close to Connor McDavid, but unless you are surpassing Connor McDavid, it's not going to be you, even though I love Jason Robertson to death. Yeah, he is the MVP. Like... It's his trophy every single year until it's, like, stripped away. Yes. <laughs> There's just no other response to that other than yes, and I don't think we'll get any uh, any disagreements from Mr. Endo Mills. The Norris. Top right now in terms of points, and again, points aren't everything, but they often are in terms of this particular awards voting. You have Eric Carlson. On 32 points, Rasmus Dahlin on 26, and then Adam Fox in Winnipeg's Josh Morrissey, 25 points each. Honorable mentions right now, uh, Mikhail Sergachev, Kale McCarr, Alex Petrangelo, and Quinn Hughes. It's still Eric Carlson for me. You know, he won't win an MVP award, certainly. Uh, number one, because he's a defenseman, and secondly, because his team is trash. But Eric Carlson, no doubt for me right now, is the favorite. Mm -hmm. to win the Norris Trophy. It's pretty impressive, this resurgence. It's a good story, too. You know, it's a yeah. great story. Like, dealing with injuries for the past three-plus years, and he, everyone's like, he's he's cooked, and then he comes back, and he's just like, nope. And he's doing it on an absolute dog-shit team, which mm -hmm. that's the Eric Carlson special. I was going to say, right, that's kind of the biggest factor for me is that, you know, it's not as if the Sharks are good. We literally just talked about how they are at the – you know, in, in the bottom five in the NHL currently. So mm -hmm. amazing uh, what he's doing. And, and certainly, you know, hey, who knows? He might get traded at some point. Who knows what's going to happen necessarily. But all in all, yeah, Eric Carlson, easily the, the favorite for this particular award. Top goaltenders. Right now, guy with the best stats gets my vote, and that is Boston's Linus Allmark. A straight two goals against average and a 935 save percentage. You have the Islanders' Ilya Sorokin with a 218 and a 933 save percentage. And then Connor Hellebuck at a 229 with a 931. I think rightfully you could pick any of these three at this point in time. Uh, and honestly, I would go with Allmark, but if someone were to say Connor Hellebuck, I wouldn't be upset because nobody expected the Winnipeg Jets to be as half decent as they are. And by half decent, uh, right now, they are currently sixth in the league off of points percentage. Not bad. Not, Not bad, bad at, all. at all. But, yeah, I'm, I'm still going with Lena Allmark. <laughs> I mean, you can yeah. say better supporting cast around him, but... That doesn't I'm matter um, for the Vezina. Like, really, like, it's because... 
it's a save percentage. That's the main thing I look at when it comes to Vesna is save percentage because that's more indicative of how the goaltender's performing rather than GAA, which is more of a team stat. Um, it's got to be Olmark, and the, the my reasoning is that uh, Boston I don't think is really going to slow down. Mm. Like, I think he he he's if he's if he just keeps playing good, that team in front of him is incredible. Like Sorokin's another one because the Islanders are so sound defensively that he could still uh, take that away. Those are the two I'm going with. I still, I just don't trust Winnipeg still. Um, When Hellebuck's on his game, Winnipeg's good. When he's not, if he slips, Winnipeg's going to sink. That's always how it's been with Winnipeg. And I mentioned that, uh, I think it was last season. I I made the prediction. I'm like, if Hellebuck doesn't have that incredible year, Winnipeg's going to suck. Lo and behold, they were ass. So, yeah, for me, it's between Olmark and Sorokin because both those teams around them are, you know, are very – Boston's better, but they both are, are great defensively. That's like, you know, a lot of the identity of Boston. But Boston now is an absolute force offensively. Like, it's fucking scary to watch them. 19-3-0. Yeah. Crazy. The Boston Bruins at this stage. Uh, worth noting, too, even if you look at, like, you know, goals save above expected and – I mean, they can't really call that an advanced stat, but, you know, some people do. Uh, you are going to have the same three towards the top of the list. So pretty much no matter what way you shake, you know, shape it up. It's like these are three of the best. But, yeah, I would still go with Allmark. For the moment, Endo Mills, you are a goalie man. You want to be the one guy to stand up for Ilya Sorokin? <laughs> uh, no, I think Hellbuck and Allmark are definitely the two guys there. Just carrying their team because last year wasn't last year Winnipeg was supposed to be good but they were garbage and yes. then this year they're supposed to be garbage now they're good yes like it, it, it doesn't make any sense but that's that's hockey for you a team could be great on paper and not execute <coughs> Seattle last year um and yeah you never know I I like all Mark and how he's playing especially having that uh just consistent consistent game uh, gameplay uh, just consistency like is off the charts with him I would say him or maybe like a sleeper Vanacek and keep it up. He's been doing well as well, too. I thought you were going to say Matt Murray, who's honestly been good for the Leafs when healthy. No, yeah, he has been. He's been he great. has been good, but it's just not enough games played yet. Yeah. Here's hoping. I want the Matt Murray Vesna redemption. I want it. I don't, but I do. Yeah. Uh, the Calder right now is a two horse race. It is Logan Thompson, who was named November Rookie of the Month, has a 2.44 goals against average for Vegas with a 9.21 save percentage. If you're taking a skater, it's Seattle's Matty Beneers, who has 20 points on the year. He is six points up on the next highest point getter, which is Winnipeg's Cole Perfetti, who has 14. Honestly, I think the voting, if it were to be voted on today, would go with Beneers. Um, just because, like, I don't know. It's well, then again. With with Tage, uh, I was gonna say with uh, Tage Thompson, with with Logan Thompson, I think back to Matt Murray, who did he win the? He didn't win the Calder, right? But he had that weird situation where he won the cup. He won the cup and then was a rookie, rookie the next yeah. year. Yeah, and I'm trying to see. He finished fourth in Calder voting in his actual rookie year. Yeah randomly enough but he was on the all rookie team uh he in terms of calder voting and shout out to hockey reference that always has stuff like this uh well well jesus christ 
Uh, he was behind Zach Wierenski, Patrick Line, and Austin Matthews. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Thompson does have a good shot at it, really. But yeah, I'd imagine it would go with Matty Beniers just because of the. There's a, they always like the age discussion. Yeah, the age discussion, and honestly, the the goalie discussion. I mean, who was the last goaltender? There, here's a trivia question: Who was the last goalie to win the Calder? Mm. Steve Mason, Carey Price. I don't fucking know. It was Steve Mason. Oh, for the Blue Jackets in 2009. Mm-hmm. He was amazing that year. He had like a 1.23 like goals against average. It was insane. That's why he has such a high rating on NHL 2K10, by the way. Exactly. <laughs> and then fell off a cliff. Oh, um, my God. But before that, it was um, Andrew Raycroft in 2004. <laughs> I haven't mentioned him in a while. Fuck off. Um, Evgeny Dabakov in 2001. And Martin Brodeur in 1994. There have been four goalies to win the Calder in my lifetime. Yeah. That's insanity. I don't know if Logan Thompson changes that, but honestly, I kind of hope that he does. I am rooting for Logan Thompson at this stage, but I mean, both have a good shot. We'll see if anyone can kind of make that a three horse race as it goes on. boy, Logie. Our last one is uh, really, I kind of combine them. Jack Adams for coach of the year and then GM of the year. And let's be honest, it's based off of standings. Bruins right now, number one team off of points percentage. Obviously, there's going to be a great opportunity there. I'd prefer not to see Don Sweeney win GM of the year after the uh, the dickhead move that he pulled. Then there's New Jersey, who's in second. And despite the fact that they were fire Lindy Chance at the beginning of the year and then eventually sorry Lindy Chance, I mean, they went 13-1-0 in November, set the record for most wins in the month of November in NHL history. To me right now, it has to be New Jersey that is set up as the front runner for both Jack Adams and uh, GM of the year. Interesting. Because, you know, it often is the award, right? Of, oh, we didn't expect you to be this good. You expect it. Like, if I were to tell you New Jersey would be in second, you probably would have been surprised. Yeah. Vegas in third? Not really that surprising. We didn't expect them to be this good, but like, ah, oh, yeah, they figured it out. Jack Eichel, full season there, whatever. Uh, Seattle currently in fourth, I think, is the one that can kind of rival New Jersey right now at this stage, which is funny because it's been Ron Francis being a punching bag for the past two seasons now, or the past two years, (laughs) almost two years, really, uh, since he was named GM. But it has to be New Jersey. They are the, I mean, they are the story. And you could argue maybe Seattle deserves a little bit more credit, but New Jersey is the story of the season so far and i think the front office and you know the coaching staff will get um you know we'll get that recognition if this continues on yeah what i would like to see is new jersey gm of the year boston coach of the year because again it's such a different system that boston is playing now and everyone was like why the hell did they just fire their coach but the new guy is incredible that being said, it'll probably be the opposite for the storylines. Lindy Ruff, that whole storyline. And then he turns that shit around. And then, of course, Don Sweeney, Bergeron and Krejci coming back, reunited and the team being as good as they are, even though it's n- not like major, major moves. Like, I think 
to me, that's the most likely to happen, even though I'd like to see the opposite Boston coach winning the Jack Adams and then Devils GM with GM of the year. Because they made some solid offseason moves, and obviously they've drafted quite well. Can't disagree with any of that. Certainly not. So we'll kind of see, again, what plays out with the awards. Again, the reminder, like last season around this time, Norris Trophy-wise, we were talking about Jeff Petrie, and then he fell (laughs) off a cliff. So you never know. Uh, But it'll be fun to kind of go back and find out who this year's Jeff Petrie is going to be in terms of just absolutely falling off of a cliff. Uh, when it comes to where they're kind of projected to be in a particular award race. Let's uh, let's talk about some of the other stuff that kind of happened here. Why not? Over the past couple of days, along with the awards watch, it's still Alex Ovechkin watch at this stage. As the other night, he tied Wayne Gretzky for the most road goals in NHL history. Did so in significantly less games, by the way. And unless he drops off massively, um, you know, he's on, I believe, a 41 goal pace this year. He is on pace to beat Gretzky's record as early as the 2024-25 season. As of the time of recording, he is only 101 goals behind. He needs to keep playing till he breaks it. And I think he will. And I hope he does. He, I mean, think about it, right? The 04-05 lockout, he lost an entire rookie year. His actual rookie year with the Caps, he scored 52. So it's a safe assumption to say 30 minimum, likely, in that first year. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's a fair conversation. And then the 2013 Shortened lockout, yeah. he yeah. lost half a season where he only played 48 games but had 32 goals. So we could say add another 20, slam dunk for 50. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about if he did, if it wasn't for lockouts, he would be at at least 850. Yeah. Which means, presumably, which means likely it would be next season that he would do it. The fact that he's only lost about a season's worth of progress if you really kind of think about it, despite missing a season and a half, it's insanity. Yeah. He's going to do it, barring injury or unless he just decides he doesn't want to. Um, As of time of recording here, uh, Wayne Gretzky played 1,487 games. Ovi is at uh, 1,298, so it's a 189-game difference. He can certainly do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it hasn't been... The most electric start to a year for him. He has 13 goals in 24 games. Not the best season. 13 goals in 24 games. But, of course, he scored 50 last year again. Because, of course, he did. So, hopefully, in this uh, podcast lifetime, we're talking about, uh, you know, this continued story. Because it's it's going to happen. It just is. Wanted to mention, did either of you see the highlights of the Kings Kraken game? No. Oh my God. But uh, I was laughing my ass off because my fantasy opponent for this week had martin jones (laughs) so i'm winning that goaltender race jesus what a crazy game though nine eight the final score ties the uh, record for highest scoring game in this century winnipeg beat philadelphia nine to eight back in 2011 and last year toronto over detroit 10-7 
It's yeah. a very Toronto game. It was. That was a shit show. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. I, when I think of the games that just epitomize Toronto Maple Leaf hockey, it's that one and that one against the Blackhawks where there was like three different goals scored in like the last minute and a half between the pair of them or whatever that was. Then it went to overtime. Oh, yeah. We had Garrett Sparks in for it was like his first start of the season. He just was a complete idiot in that. You know, if there's one thing I I could have for Christmas, it might honestly be a top 10 video from Steve Dangle where he talks about the most stressful Leafs games. And we might have to clarify non-playoffs. The most stressful regular season games since he's been doing the LFRs. Number one is Zamboni for a fact. Number one is Zamboni. Oh, David Ayers? Yeah, number yeah. one. Oh, like, where does that rank? Up. Where does the the Nashville meltdown? I always love oh, that one. Oh, man, I forgot about that. Where does the 10-7 Leafs win rank? Like, there's there's a lot of I mean, the, the big house winner classic that went to a shootout. I, how is he alive? <laughs> Heart medication. God bless him. God bless him. Uh, the Dallas Stars, and I skipped over one. Uh, we'll go back to it. Uh, the Dallas Stars, I I can't stand them because numerous times, you know, we, we talked about, oh, Jason Robertson, pay the man. Then they underpay him. Somehow they get away with underpaying him and don't get it wrong. It's an underpayment. Look at how well he's doing this year. They did the same thing with Ottinger. And now they have signed Rupe Hints, Rupe Hints to an eight year extension worth $8.45 million per season. Fuck. That's a that lot. Is a, it's a lot, but I really like that good. Con- I really like it. And I mean, right now, Based off of how they're doing, I'm sure it's going to age very, very well. Hmm. Sin has a different take. I don't know. That just seems like a lot for Rupe Hints. Like he's, I gotta. Apparently, I need to look up his numbers. I didn't think he was eight mil worthy, but uh... well, here let's uh, let's let's dive a little bit deeper into the. What about when he does offside the ice as well too in the clubhouse? He's 22 games played, uh, eight goals, 16 assists, 24 points on the year. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Had 72 last year with 37 goals. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I remember last year. I didn't think he was doing as good this year, but fuck me. He's over point per game, so I haven't been paying as much attention. It was because I figured, because Pavelski's not doing as hot, if I'm looking at things correctly. Well, it's funny because a month ago, right, we were talking about, and people were questioning, like, oh, who is going to step up? That's had a slow start. I don't remember who we were talking about for goals, by the way, that hadn't scored. Uh, but I know Jamie Ben was a name that we mentioned, and he was uh, second in scoring in the month of November, only behind his teammate Jason Robertson. Right. Uh, so LOL to that. But I'm trying to remember who those other names were that were just like, I can't believe this person doesn't have a goal yet. And uh, I can't quite remember, which is which is positive, because, I mean, who, who likes to self-dunk? at the consistency and which we would have to i'm sure based off of okay yeah, uh, never mind pavelski's kicking ass based off of how that i just haven't been paying attention i mean why would you want to pay attention to joe pavelski doing well you know yeah, it's a little heartbreaking it i'm sure it is i'm sure it is 
Um, that said, I need to I need to try to find this. Some of the guys who who haven't scored that, that might have been a little bit surprising. And uh, no, it, it's kind of down to the usual suspects. I think pretty much everyone that we would have named uh, who hadn't scored yet. Shout out to Paul Stashney, by the way, in Carolina. Only five assists in 22 games. That's, uh, that's heartbreaking. Um, it looks like a lot of those those guys were just like, how don't they have a goal yet? It looks like all of them managed to score <laughs> in November. <laughs> You're welcome uh, for solving the jinx. Although I see here, funny enough, two guys that didn't score. Uh, Marco Rossi, Vasily Poltkolson, who were both sent down to the AHL, which is honestly probably a good move for them. Um as well, sent down to the AHL, the LA Kings sending down Cal Peterson. Oof. Uh, he clears waivers to the surprise of probably nobody. He is on a deal, an extension, the first year of it, three years, $5 million per, and he has been sent down to the AHL. He That's signed that extension, I believe, in the 2020-21 season. Because at that time, he had a 9-1-1 save percentage in 35 games for a pretty bad Kings team. Last year, 37 games played in 895. This year, 10 games played in 868. Jesus. Oof. (laughs) Fucking, he's set for life, at least. (laughs) He is. He is. I I hope for his sake, he can kind of bounce back, because that is... Yeah. That is pretty rough, and uh, who knew for the LA Kings, holding on to Jonathan Quick instead of sticking with uh, Cal Peterson or Jack Campbell was the right decision. Yeah. Who knew? Jack Campbell rocking an 875 in 12 games for the Oilers this year. Jesus, man. What, it's, it, it's the goalie thing. You just never know. This is why yeah. never, ever sign a goalie above three or four years, in my opinion. <laughs> Can either of you name... The new backup goaltender for the LA Kings. No. Uh, f- starts with a V. Close, but no. <laughs> Last name starts with a V. No. Does it? No. It's not Sparks. It's not fucking whatever the fuck his name is. It is a very obscure goalie a la Garrett Sparks, though. Hold on. Who no, is it? I don't know. It is... Washington Capitals legend Phoenix Copley. Oh my god. The Copley, pride Copley. of North Pole, Alaska. Phoenix Copley. <laughs> nice. So, the LA Kings, we'll see what he can do. He has decent numbers in the AHL this year, but uh, I think 79 overall, 80 overall in NHL 23, Phoenix Copley. <laughs> Just need an excuse to dunk on the NHL again. Uh... Philadelphia confirmed today that Ryan Ellis, as kind of expected, will not play this entire season Um, after playing, I believe, just four games last year. All I can say is oof. Um, Before whatever the hell is going on happened, he was a phenomenal, phenomenal fucking player for the Nashville Predators. He really was. Um traded for Phil Myers and the signing rights to Nolan Patrick to Nashville, which was, you know, Patrick was then immediately flipped uh, to Vegas for Cody Glass. And then Phil Myers is now with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, that is one of those trades that did not work out for either side. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's particularly a shame in Ryan Ellis's standpoint, just to not be able to, 
you know, be on the field and to miss essentially two seasons in a row. Yeah, it really sucks. I loved him. He was really good. One of those just underrated defensemen who just sits maybe probably in your middle pairing, but is so good. Just so good. Didn't have like the name value of a Shea Weber or even a, a Ryan Suter based off of his time in Nashville, but yeah. phenomenal player. And then, you know, different set of circumstances, obviously, but it brings us to probably the biggest story uh, in hockey for the past uh, couple of days. That being Krista, you know, I was going to call him Christopher Letang. Like I'm fucking, uh, uh, like I'm working between the benches here. Call me Pierre McGuire. Um, yeah, I want that, that Shattuck St. Mary's. Uh, so Crystal Tang has suffered his second stroke by the age of 35. Um, the Penguins noted that it is not expected to be career threatening, but he is out indefinitely and just, you know, stunning essentially for the entire hockey world. Yeah. Um, where it's just brutal out-of-nowhere news. Yeah. Um, now, worth noting here from in the uh, NHL.com article, um, uh, it, currently not experiencing any lasting side effects of the stroke, but we'll have tests over the next week. Condition not believed to be um, career-threatening. But, yeah, I mean, again, suffers his second stroke. Like, it started apparently with a migraine. Uh, and he said that he wasn't even aware that he had a stroke. Uh, it was the team physician, who I'm sorry, his name I cannot pronounce, or their name, um, who told them, go to the hospital, just to make sure. And, yeah, you know, he contacted team medical staff, went to the hospital, and that's when they found out for sure. But it's, uh, you know, he, he missed more than two months back in the 2013-14 season after uh, having a stroke. Um, a little bit before they had played a game against the uh, LA Kings. But yeah, just it, it's one of those things where, like I said, you just hope that whatever happens from here, that the guy is happy and healthy. Yeah. In terms of a legacy, his legacy is intact on the ice. If he were to decide today, you know what? Screw it. I'm done. He has a shout for Hockey Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. As a three-time cup winner, um, his name would forever be in that conversation. I'm sure his number will be retired by the Penguins alongside Crosby, alongside Malkins. You know, that was one of the big talking points heading into the season was like, oh, are they going to bring the band back together? And they did. Um, I, I can't add too much necessarily to the discourse of it aside from just absolutely rooting for the guy. And it's just really, <laughs> really unfortunate news. Yeah, I did hear that he wanted to keep playing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he made a, some kind of statement like that, that he wanted to keep playing. I'm sure. I mean... Yeah, hockey players are just cut from a different cloth. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> a little crazy. And I mean, you know, was scheduled, um, and I actually want to check the stats, because I know he was approaching 1,000 uh, career games this year. And he is currently at 962. So I'm sure for him, too, he has that mindset of like, yeah, I want to hit a thousand games. But no, phenomenal player that we certainly wish nothing but the best for and yeah. certainly hope. I mean, again, the good news is they are immediately saying that it's not projected to be um, career threatening, which is 
obviously the most important thing. But I mean, a six-time All-Star, a two-time Cup champion, um, which is funny. He I, did he miss time in like 2016-17 that he wouldn't be listed as a Cup champion. I, so I think he has a ring from 2016-17, but he only played 41 games that year. Hmm. So like the weird cutoff. But let's be honest, essentially a three-time Stanley Cup champion. Um, yeah, he's fucking Crystal Tang, man. Crystal Tang. Amazing player. That said, um, God, let's let's save the fucking maybe the biggest topic of conversation for last year. Why not? Your boy. Yeah, apparently. So a few days ago on Twitter, um, which is never how you want to start a story. <laughs> <laughs> I noted that there was a Reddit post, which is how you never want to continue a story that Jack Edwards had. Like, it was essentially like the, the near monthly boy, Jack Edwards sucks kind of discussion thread, right? Which um, I think it was based off of there was a fight, but the the thread was um, Jack Edwards is so annoying during fights, and obviously the entire comment section, he's just annoying, hard stop, and so on and so forth. Um, Which led me to say that I label him as the best commentator in hockey. Now, here's why I said that. For someone who works for a regional broadcaster, you often are directly appealing to that region that you are broadcasting for. And I would argue that there is no better broadcaster at appealing towards his market than Jack Edwards. At the same time, as a Bruins fan, I also see what people who don't watch the Nesson casts don't get to see. And that is, it's not a one-sided bias in favor of the Bruins all the time. Some of his greatest goal calls over the year have been four goals scored against the Bruins. In terms of literally the best commentator, hyperbole a bit on my part, I'll admit. But I do stand by the fact that I think he is a phenomenal commentator when he's at his best. The next day? Was it the same day? Or maybe two days later, Tops? You get to see him at his worst, in which, yeah, I can't defend it and haven't and won't. Like, there are moments where, in terms of the particular comment of like, oh, Jack Edwards is annoying, especially during fights. I'm sorry, but I think it was a Chara fight where Chara had a guy in a headlock and Jack Edwards just yelled, he's giving him the noogies. That's funny as fuck. I don't care. I get that, like, for example, 2013 playoffs, Endo, let's talk about it. The Bruins beat the Leafs in Game 7. And I've heard Steve Dangle specifically bring this up a lot over the years, where for the Nesson feed, Jack Edwards, when the Bruins scored, Bergeron scores, the Bruins have pulled the sword from the stone and slain the dragon! 
and every Leafs fan's like, what fucking dragon? We had James Reimer and a bunch of nobodies. Yeah. But it's appealing to the Boston fandom, which still, even in 2013, despite the Bruins winning, the Patriots winning, the Red Sox winning, the Celtics winning, still hadn't fully shaken that idea of Boston's the underdog and we're finally getting what's ours. Fuck you, Toronto, trying to take what's ours. So spoiled. Oh, at this point, yeah, no doubt. Boston's oh, yeah. are I'm surprised fucking the Boston area got the mythology reference. Maybe they didn't. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, busy dumping tea in the harbor and such. Um, all, all of this to say, like, look, if... If someone doesn't like that particular commentary team of Jack Edwards, Andy Brooklyn, I fully understand. But at the same time, if you listen to any regional broadcaster, you are going to get that level of bias. A week before this incident, I talked about watching uh, the Detroit Red Wings game. It was the one where Dylan Larkin won in the shootout. And I don't know who the color commentator is for the Red Wings, but in the overtime and in that shootout, there's no hiding the fact that he's rooting for the Red Wings to score. Whenever they missed the net in three-on-three, it was always, oh, so close. Like he was watching it in the stands. And that's that person's job. Because you are broadcasting for Red Wings fans. The objectivity goes a little bit out the window. For Jack Edwards, it goes all the way out the window, down the street, and into Boston Harbor along with all the tea. So I understand if people don't necessarily like it. I do. Does he go a bit too far sometimes? Absolutely. Sometimes is it in a funny way that people just find grading? Yes, and I think, come on, don't be ridiculous. And then there's other times with this Pat Maroon thing where you just went too far and didn't know when to stop. And I agree that's crossing the line. I'm just happy to have a completely unproblematic and amazing local announcer in Randy Hahn. <laughs> Fucking legend. I can't and then our radio Randy guy. Dan Rusinowski, who has one of the most iconic voices. He does. I'd put him up there with this, the Sabres, dude. Like, <laughs> fuck. I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. Rick Janaret for the Sabres. Thank you. Yeah. Who retired in his yeah. first year without him, unfortunately. Um, So Jack Edwards essentially was commenting on Pat Maroon when the Bruins were playing the Lightning the other night and brings up what everyone knows about Pat Maroon. Everybody on this fucking planet that's a hockey fan has called Pat Maroon Fat Maroon at some point. Bobby Ryan, who has known Pat Maroon since he was a kid, essentially, commented on the fact that, like, yeah, he's been called that his entire fucking life. It doesn't bother him. The problem with this particular instance is that, you know, you can acknowledge the nickname, you can make a joke about it, but Jack just kept going to the point where it's like, oh, yeah, fasting, that's like four hours without a meal for him. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, oh, he's listed at uh, 238 pounds. Like, that was that was that was before the pregame meal. Like, he went a bit far, right? He did. And I don't I don't defend that. He went a bit far. And it's also not my job as a Bruins fan to be like, do you defend Jack Edwards against these claims every time he fucking maybe goes a little bit too far? Um, you know, I, I said as much on Twitter, I'm kind of surprised he didn't comment on it at the same time. He's never really commented on anything, um, 
in regards to some of the more um what other people have found agitating moments in his tenure. So like I said, in a general sense, when it comes to Jack Edwards, I stand by the fact that I think he is great at what he does. He is very entertaining. And in terms of his job of directly appealing to the New England market, he does it very, very well. There is a reason why he is not doing the, you know, ESPN or TNT broadcast. And if he was, I'd imagine he'd have a, he'd have a slightly different approach. The comments themselves, way too goddamn far. Bit disappointed he didn't mention, like, yeah, I took it too far and I'm sorry. Patrick Maroon handled this with the utmost class, as you would expect Patrick Maroon to do. Um, for all intents and purposes, seems like a phenomenal guy. Uh, and his response to this, and let's be honest, the guy's fucking untouchable. He won three cups in a row. Um, his response to this on the 30th of November uh, was to encourage people to donate to tampabaylightning.com slash donate, in which he personally donated $2,000 to the Tampa Bay Lightning Foundation, uh, which is uh, it, which includes Patrick Maroon's campaign to support the uh, Tampa Bay Thrives, which is um, based upon it's a nonprofit focusing on mental uh, mental wellness, essentially. Class act. And you know the Maroon. best part about that is What's he that? did it in Jack Edwards' name. Yes, he did. Absolutely, class. Shouts, kids. I mean, Patrick Maroon wins in this situation. Then there's the Carolina Hurricanes, who, for whatever reason, I don't understand the social media. I hate their social media team. I, I love like I love how they were like, yeah, we're a bunch of jerks. But you're like putting your nose in other people's business. You're like you're you're Randall from recess. Yeah, it's exactly who you are. And it's it's so annoying, but keep going, keep going. Like I get the idea that in the postseason last year, the Canes beat the Bruins, rightfully so. The Hurricanes were the better team, and of course, there are Bruins fans, much like there are fans of every team that are going to sit there and shit talk the social media side of things. And the Hurricanes put out a really fucking funny tweet, putting a lot of these Bruins fans on blast, to be like, "Oh, you guys are going to get swept. You guys fucking suck. Fuck you. Fuck you." And it was funny to put them back on blast, but then here. Their tweet, we stand with Pat Maroon in supporting those who struggle with mental health, bullying, and body image. We encourage hashtag Canes fans to donate $19 out of spite for Jack Edwards. $19 specifically, because a couple of years ago, when Dougie Hamilton went to the Hurricanes, Jack Edwards went on a rant about why isn't he number 19? And it's because the number 19 was a retired Whalers number, essentially. Uh, and basically, not that big of a deal. It's a guy speaking out of his ass who didn't realize the reason for it. And you're still going on about it? Yeah. Like, hey, as I said on Twitter, you being petty fucks has still led directly to people donating to charity. So I I give you credit for that. Um, but yeah, Kane's social media, I mean, you know, as much as you can... I guess complain about Bruins fans like your identity online is fuck the Bruins. How original. You guys are doing great at forming an identity. You are the Carolina Hurricanes. You have been consistently good over the past couple of years. This past postseason run, you were selling out that building more than ever. You have your own identity that doesn't need to be emboldened behind fuck the Bruins. But if it led to people donating to charity, by all means, go ahead. 
I think their whole identity is just being petty. The, yeah, it, that, that's it. Like completely. Um, but just a reminder that they're the reason why they pay uh, players pay escrow. So you know, there you go. So I don't know. Again, I don't really have anything against the Hurricanes as a team. They beat the Bruins again, rightfully so. Canes fans are fucking awesome. Um, you know, numerous Canes fans that I hear from on a nightly basis on Twitch. Um, but yeah, that was just a really weird approach from them to just be like, not only are we going to, we're going to say we support Pat Maroon, but we're going to take the opportunity to try and dunk on Jack Edwards for something that happened years ago that most people aren't even going to get the reference to just thought that was weird. And then obviously there's the comments in response to Jack Edwards, most recent tweet, which are about what you would expect. Hope you get fired. Fuck you. You know, I would argue a bit too far in this particular instance, but at the same time, for certain people, maybe he's gone far enough and this is death by a thousand cuts. Um, like I said, I'll say this about it. He went too far. I do stand by him as a commentator in a general sense, because I do think that he does his job well. You don't have to like it, but I think he does his job well. Um, and I, you know, his his Twitter description, passionate, a little crazy. Yeah, it sums up Jack Edwards uh, quite a bit, I would say. Um, overly passionate is probably a good way to describe him. Um, like I said, I think went too far. Other people probably blowing this out of proportion. You know, it's at the same time, he directly complimented Patrick Maroon mentioning the cups. And that's a part of the quote that a lot of people aren't, you know, really aren't bringing up is just that idea that we're only going to focus on the insult. We're not going to focus on the part where he complimented them. And I understand that. Um, but in a general sense, uh, Carolina, lol, Patrick Maroon, class act, Jack Edwards went too far. And I think I summed up the situation kind of well. I don't know if you guys have anything to add. But like I said, I it's not as if as a Bruins fan, I do not understand the uh, the vitriol the that, ire. He, that yeah. he receives. You know? <laughs> I get it. But like I said, I don't know if you guys have uh, if you guys have anything else to add on any of our topics today or this, but oh, and by the way, I found the Noogie's quote. It was Johnny Boychuk fighting Yaro Spachek in February of 2011. And it was fucking hilarious. Huh. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Anyway, with that, I think we'll <laughs> wind things down. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> just came off. You're like, okay, this this is my giant rant. We're both kind of like, all right, cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just the thing where it's like, you know, I'm not. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I see where you're coming from on the standpoint of like he's like the regional guy, and you know, like you have to home it up a little bit. But I mean, he has he's had a history of having some very questionable like comments, I guess, in certain yeah. regards, especially now. Like, you would give the benefit of the doubt to the guy if it happened like once. But even though someone has a reputation as he does, like I could see why people are upset, and it makes sense. Like the Bat Maroon thing did go low, did go a little too far. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah. Like I my thing is like, yeah. for most people, if you're gonna critique him, tell me why though. Don't just say his reputation. Give me 
the particular and specific incidents that you think lend credence to the guy that this guy shouldn't have a job anymore. Mm. You know, that lends credence to that notion. Um, because for every example of that, I think there are plenty of other examples to kind of counterbalance that, maybe, or at least close to it. Um, I remember people had issue. One of my fucking favorite Jack Edwards quotes, he was talking about Matt Cook. I remember people had an issue with this, and I'm like, this is fucking hilarious. Quote, nominating Matt Cook for the Masterton is about the equivalent of nominating Sirhan Sirhan as Prisoner of the Year. That was fucking funny. He equated Matt Cook to the guy who assassinated Robert F. Kennedy. That's fucking funny. Is it too far? Maybe. But fuck Matt Cook is the attitude that all of New England has. I'm just saying. And I agree. Who's who's going to disagree with the idea of fuck Matt Cook? I'm not saying you agree with the idea of comparing him to a convicted murderer. But Matt Cook is is a piece of garbage. Okay. Anyway, there we go. I just had to kind of lean into that a little even bit. As, even Pat, even not fucking Pat Murray, even Matt Cook's wife says fuck Matt Cook. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this edition of the Tukey's Take podcast. We thank you very much for supporting the show. As always, like I said, keep an eye out on social media, especially as Sid and I start to kind of fully understand our obligations with sportsgamer.gg. Uh, we will, you know, continue to make sure that we can kind of get these shows out there for as long as we have fun with them. And I I know I have fun with them still. Is anybody else? I don't know. Endo, do you still have fun? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> I, I like to have fun. Um. Oh, is this when I plug my shit? Yeah, go ahead. Why not? <laughs> okay. Yeah, so uh, no stream. Uh, there was no stream today, but tomorrow stream, you know, 1130 a.m. Eastern, uh, permanent time again. Uh, I was playing more Need for Speed Unbound. I'm going to probably buy the game now because uh, I thought EA Play Pro gives you the game on console, but it doesn't. And I really like that game, and it's a lot of fun. So I'm probably going to stream it a lot. And... Yeah, it's a fun game. It reminds me of like the old vintage Need for Speed games with like a little like cell shaded like flare onto it with different effects and like the player models. It's a little jarring at first because you're not used to it, but I don't know. It's pretty cool. They got ASAP Rocky in there too. The biggest selling point of all. Are you kidding me? It was awesome. Like I hit the I hit the 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 credits just to like. Just check out the credits. I'm like, oh, I'm bored. She wasn't anything, anything here. It was like a 10 minute monologue of like ASAP Rocky just talking about how street cultures and Im- immigrated with like hip hop and brands and all this. And then he talked about like how like how he does his music. And then he talked about like stuff he wants to do for like his child, like, his kids and stuff like that in the future and all that. It was really interesting. And then, like, it be broke down what ASAP actually means, and it's just like, and what it does was, it, mean? it was pretty cool. It was really interesting. Twitch.tv slash Mills. Sin, what do you have going on, buddy? Um, yeah, same old thing. YouTube, and then I'll eventually be doing commentary. There you go. Wanted to mention, of course, everywhere at Tookie Twenty Four, the entire month, mostly here from December first through the twenty third. I will be streaming every single night, twitch.tv forward slash 24 
and we will be raising money alongside a, uh, a charity-based organization known as Soft Giving that I've been working with all year. We'll be raising money for Games for Love, an organization that essentially helps get children uh, access to you know video games while they are in hospital, uh, essentially trying to make their time there easier. Uh, certainly a worthwhile cause here, especially in the holiday season, um, you know, for those particular kids and their families, of course, uh, around this time of year. You'll be able to donate, of course, uh, at any time uh, over the next 23 days. And every single night, uh, I will be playing a different version of NHL. Uh, of course, the 23 days of Chell for NHL 23. But at the same time, and of course, you guys know I hate the, the, the term Chell, but it was the perfect time to... Kind of bring it back. But yeah, every single night I will be playing uh, different versions of NHL. Uh, I think tonight for the first, we'll be starting off. I'm going to go through literally every single EA uh, mainline EA game ever made. Kind of similar to what I've done on a, a charity stream once where I played everyone the same night. Uh, but for example, December 1st, we'll be playing the first two EA NHL games ever released. EA NHL Hockey and NHL PA 93. Uh, we'll be doing two a nights up until uh, December 10th, where it goes into NHL 10 and then 11, 12, so on, uh, on a nightly basis. So looking forward to this, looking forward to hopefully raising a good amount of money. Of course, we have giveaways for those people that donate. We have certain milestones to hit. Uh, who knows? I might be rocking a sick mohawk by the end of the month. I'll put my hair on the line again. Seriously, I've been growing it out. We'll uh, we'll see what happens in the uh, over the course of the month. But for now, thank you all for listening. We will see you next week. Goodbye.